This episode of The Curly Critics is brought to you by our Patreon. You can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash curlycriticspod. We have tiers from $3 up to $15, where you can talk to us on Discord, join our pen pal postcard group, or get our weekly bonus episode, Very Curly Talking. From WBNE. Uh, back of my Remus Lupin depression. Oh my gosh. Back on your Remus Lupin depression BS, yeah. I feel that. Oh my gosh. Hi, I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and today we're talking about Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, we are. (laughs) This book is long. It also, you know what makes it worse? When you pretty much read half of it in one day and then half in the other... I mean, I read about 100 pages and then read like 300 and then read the rest today and I just finished like less than 10 minutes ago and um, I feel like I've gone through war. Because you have. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I read 10 chapters yesterday-ish and like 12, 13 chapters today. I don't know how many pages that is, because I was reading on the Kindle, because I had to give up on the paperback. Yeah, yesterday, after I had read a bunch, I was on page, like, 230, and I finished it by today. So, if that tells you anything, it's also I've, I'm war-torn. Pretty typical of us to wait till the last minute. <laughs> This, okay, no, I actually, you can check my Goodreads, I did start this book early, it was just so dreadful to get through, like, I would have to read a chapter a night just praying I could get through it, to no avail, because the first, listen, I'm gonna hop on this train right now, the first 200 pages, completely useless, did not matter. They were cleaning a house or Harry was getting tortured by the Dursleys and nothing changed. <sighs> yeah. I didn't have to go through that. I really didn't. The last three-fourths of this book, though, I like a lot. No, yeah, that's totally it's just, fair. It this is. Book, like, it's actually entertaining to read. I was, I don't know, maybe... 150 200 pages into this book and i was like how in the world did middle school me read this in a day i genuinely i think about that every time i pick up one of these books i don't know how the other ones i'm like yeah sure i guess i understand but this one yeah i had such a huge mental block on how long it was the entire time that i had to like read like two chapters and take a break because i was like i can't do this so, yeah, middle no, school exactly. me, I don't know what drugs you were on, but good for you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, middle school me could read like eight books at a time and know every single plot exactly how it was and every single character. 
I must have been on drugs. There's no way. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, my biggest frustration with this book was that there were a lot of plot points that I was like, I feel like this was probably, we probably could have done without this. And my biggest one... You know, them cleaning a house for an entire chapter? Yeah, the biggest thing was Harry's hearing, where I was like, we didn't need that. But they mentioned it a lot of times later in the book. They kept bringing it back up. So I was like, okay, she at least made it work. Like, it was pointless, but she at least kept bringing it up, and Harry would be like, oh, yeah, that happened at my hearing. Oh, yeah. I'm like, fine. The grop stuff, completely used. they could have glazed it over. Like, yeah, there was no need for that. You're yeah. right. All that stuff, that was annoying. The grop, I was like, like grop. I was reading that chapter, and I was like, we don't need this. this. This book could be at least one chapter shorter if we just cut all this out. I just, there's no need to world, world build with the Dursleys and in Sirius's house. Like, there is no need for any of that world building. That was stupid. I didn't need any of that. Yeah. The, I liked... I liked seeing the Order of the Phoenix exist and, like, do things and, like... They're all secretive and stuff. I really liked when Moody, like, brought out the picture and he was like, look, this is who was in the old order. I thought that was really interesting. Right. That's the cleaning- not the part I'm mad yeah. about. The cleaning of the house is useless. <laughs> um, there was an entire chapter where they just cleaned the house. Yeah. I think, like, and, like, honestly, <sighs> nobody come for me. <laughs> I didn't need to see as much of Sirius as angst. As was in this book. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> there was one point where I was like, like, holy crap, who's moody or serious or hairy? It literally got to the point when I was reading this book where I was like, serious is such a bad person. Yeah, he's so angsty all the time. He was I so- love him. He's so I great. Mean, I adore serious with every part of my being. <laughs> But I just, he was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And it I just don't... really, it made me sad too. Because it really solidified, I think I told you about this in a previous episode or just in our conversations or something, about how if Harry went to go live with Sirius, Lupin would have had to live with him too because there's no way that Sirius could have been a parent because he had been an yeah. Azkaban since the age he was 20. Like, yeah. 21. And I was, like, reading this, and I was, like, he's acting like a 20-year-old. Yeah. The whole time. Because and I was all like, that time was lost. No, I totally understood that. Like, that was the only legitimate reason he was acting that way is because he's not emotionally matured. Right, and he's like, still... that tracks. <laughs> just as reckless as 20-year-olds are. And, like, anytime Sirius would open his mouth, I was like, yeah, I heard that at my college. So... That begs the question, what's Snape's excuse? Don't even. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to pummel Snape really hard. Also, he only had like one redeeming quality this whole book and it was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> she. We've talked about this before. And I'm just going to keep saying it. 
but Snape is the perfect character to be the anti-hero. And I get, like, the occlumency lessons were the perfect mm-hmm. opportunity for Snape to be a decent human being. Yeah. yeah. So, like, cause we, like, this whole book, we're like, oh, he works for the Order. Like, he's not as bad of a person. And even at the end of the book, they're like, yeah, they told, like, Siri- or Severus, like, told everybody about your thing about Sirius. And we, like, checked up on it. Like, we got it all under control. So we're like, he's still a decent human being. But I would even understand the Snape is mean to Harry in public because he's trying to put up a face. But when they're in private, he doesn't need to be a bad person. I don't know. Like, when he was taking the lessons, I didn't feel like he was super just outright rude. You know, like, he was just kind of angry professor but he wasn't like bullying him or anything not like taking points from Gryffindor or anything just like mildly annoyed besides when he went into the Pensieve I don't he called Harry stupid a lot and like anytime Harry would do something wrong he would get upset at him and then Harry'd be like well you're not telling me what to do and it just like not good teaching style yeah, it gives I mean, me no wonder he didn't get that teaching position. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just like gave me like band flashbacks of like sitting in the practice room and they're like, "Play this," and then I play it wrong because I didn't practice, and then they're like, "No, play it again," and I'm like, "I don't know how I didn't practice." Except that was on me, not on Mr. Hall. Because I didn't Do practice. Do not <laughs> compare Mr. Hull to Severus Snape. Do not. I will box you. <laughs> I'm just, like, that's how it felt, like, from my end to be like, oh, he's being upset. He's upset at me. But the difference is Snape is just being upset at Harry because he wants to be upset at Harry. And, like, Harry didn't practice either, but Snape was also not doing a very good job at telling Harry what he needed to do. Yeah. And also not doing a very good job at not provoking him. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like those moments he was the least annoying. Yeah, I guess he was. Also, Harry's was a bit annoying in those, too. Yeah, he was being all moody and crap, too. So, like, whatever. The amount of times that I yelled at Harry while reading this book. Listen, I just had to kind of glaze over it because I couldn't emotionally handle it anymore i was like the last like buddy you're just struggling here it's okay the last two times that harry like called sirius in the fire call i was like harry you have a mirror a two-way mirror used to talking to sirius he literally gave it to you for this purpose so you don't have to break into the headmistress's office to call him and it like no point Like, after he called him the first time, at no point did Sirius go, why didn't you just use the mirror? Yeah. Also, like, he didn't open it until the last few pages, which was hilarious. Because I was wondering the whole time, I was thinking, when's that package going to come back up? Which is so funny, because I was barely paying attention the first 200 pages, and, like, I was still thinking about that, that was in like, the last 20 pages. That was, like, page 400, wasn't it? Didn't he get that for Christmas? Oh. But still. 
Yeah. You were thinking about it a lot. It comes back up later, but I'm still not happy about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, some of my notes are so funny. Oh, it was 523. Sorry, but still, 300 pages later, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, what was the thing? Are they gonna talk about the thing? Dang it. (laughs) Yeah, I knew what it was, which was made it ten times more frustrating. Yeah. Because you didn't know what it was, and you were just like, oh, Harry's being reckless again. And I was like, Harry is an absolute moron. And also, we're going to talk about this later. It just made me really upset. The fact that he's only risking Sirius's life to talk about his dad. I was like, Harry, there are more important things happening. Yeah, it's like that whole scene where they're talking to Harry about his dad and Sirius is like, well, we were 15. And Harry's like, I'm 15. Which was funny to me. But also, like, (laughs) Harry's 15. James at 15 was playing with snitches and trying to win girls over. Harry at 15 is on his fourth time facing Lord Voldemort. And also could barely get a singular date. James really had it together, I think. Like on the normal 15-year-old boy scale. Yeah, but who's to say that James ever actually got a date between years 11 and 7, or 1 and 7, ages 11 and 17? Zero. There's zero chance. The (laughs) fanon... Basically, almost unanimously, is like James only ever dated Lily. Nobody oh, yeah. else. So I'm like, they're both pretty hopeless when it comes to girls. Yeah, but like all those girls looking at James, like, oh. That's what happens when you play sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I... There's a lot of stuff that pops up a lot in the fandom about James and Severus Snape. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I keep calling him by his first name. He doesn't deserve that. Yike. (laughs) Maybe he does. That's a sign of disrespect, so... But, like, people will be like, well, James is a bully, too, so... Like, Snape apologists will be like, well, James is just as bad. And it's like, mm. Yes, from this one memory that we got in this book, they're both pretty bad people. Differences. It was also from Snape's perspective, so, like, eh. Yeah. But also, the difference is, Snape is still a bully at 30-something years old. Yeah, bullying little kids. (laughs) And James at least matured enough to get Lily Evans to actually like him. Yeah. But whatever. That's not important. Isn't it? I don't think any of our listeners are Snape apologists, so. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) So, okay. 
you you warned me that like this entire book was gonna be super hairy angsty and it was but looking at it through the eyes of a 15 year old it also wasn't you know what i'm saying like he had every right to be upset at everything that was happening to him yes he was moody and like Hermione and Ron would call him out like, hey, it's not our fault this crap's happening. But, like, he seemed rightfully upset most of the time. Now, he had major mood swings, which was also hilarious. But, uh... (laughs) I would say one sentence to him and suddenly he'd be super happy and not yelling at everyone. It was so funny. I seem to remember this book being a lot, like, heavier on that than it actually was. And I think it's just because the, like, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, when I first read this, like, couldn't understand where Harry was coming from as well. And now I'm like, yeah, he's traumatized. Like, I have notes in the first chapter. Um, I was like, it's funny to read Harry's witty remarks, but to, like, Dudley especially. But I'm also like, ah, yes, this is a very angry, traumatized boy who's been growing up in an abusive household. He literally can't control what's happening in his life, so he's just taking it out on everyone else around him. And that's literally what he does to Dumbledore at the end of the book, when Dumbledore's, like, trying to explain everything to him. I'm like, he's just emotionally destroyed. He's grieving. He's angry. He, like, serious PTSD. Yeah. And he, like, nobody's helping him deal with that. So he's just lashing out. Yeah, again, rightfully so. Harry needs therapy. (laughs) We need that on a t-shirt, you guys. I think that's the thing. With a little lightning bolt on it, just for effect. It's just, like, if... Somebody, like, that we went to high school, middle school or high school with was, like, living in the conditions that Harry was dealing with. They would go to the guidance counselor. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's one of those things where you don't really know until you're in it. But I feel like a lot of people wouldn't seek out help in that position. Yeah, but I feel like at least teachers or an administration would notice when you started lashing out and at least reach out to them a little bit because that's their job. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a long time since I was actually in public school. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But, like, at, like, well, never mind. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) We're moving on. Nice. I don't want to get into the logistics of my college. Okay, here's the thing. (laughs) So, there's absolutely no way that Sirius and Remus are not dating in this book. (laughs) I did not get that vibe at all. Like, at all. Okay, on page, my book is 89. I don't know what chapter that's in. In chapter 5... When they're, like, all sitting at the table, there's that one line where it's, like, Lupin looked at Sirius, and then, like, a full page later, it's, like, Lupin looked away at last. And I was, like, interesting. 
I literally wrote that page number down. That's crazy. Wow. It's one of the you're like, that's interesting. Also, they casually mention that they live together, which is like not that weird because they were roommates for seven years at school. And and they're both lonely in Animagus. So. Yeah. And Remus has no money. Yeah. Remus has no money and Sirius is trapped. So, like, that's not that weird, but Sirius is one of the only people that calls Remus by his first name throughout the entire book. Everybody else calls him Professor or Lupin. I mean, also, again, they were roommates. They've been best friends forever. That kind of tracks, like... But then on top of that, they got Harry a joint Christmas present. Now, that I can't (laughs) explain away. That one... Besides the fact that Remus didn't have any money, like, that's... You're right. (laughs) And I was, like, thinking about it, and I was like, if J.K. Rowling wasn't J.K. Rowling, this would be just casual representation in, like, any modern book. Oh, yeah, that'd be incredible. Like, we, like, the author doesn't have to tell us that they're dating because all of the characters know that they're dating, so it's just, like, a part that's part of the series. Yeah, it's like not it's just even part a thing. So yeah. it just is, and so you just go with it, which is why I think people like that so much about it. To just yeah. be like, yeah, that was happening, because it makes them feel seen, and so it upsets me that she's like, no, I don't want that to happen. So I'll just kill Sirius off, so people stop shipping them together. Did that? Is that real? Did that's that really? The running theory. She no, was originally. 100%. I believe that. That's the yeah. thing. The writing, th- <sighs> like, she was going to originally, she was going to kill Arthur. And then. Dang, that makes sense. I mean. I re- saw a whole TikTok on it. But, like, between book three and book five coming out, like, way back in the 2000s, the, like, Wolfstar fan fiction, like, took off. Mm. And naturally, and made her upset. And so then people get the fifth book out after, like, oh, yeah, they're, like, in love from the third and the fourth book. And then they, like, read it, and Sirius is dead now. And she's like, mm, that's a little interesting. It hurts my heart. There was then, no reason he had to die. There was literally no reason. Besides and just, more hairy angst. That's it. Yeah. It just gets worse, which we'll talk about in the next book. But from Lupin side of things. But it was just like, why you gotta do that? Also, it didn't make sense for the plot. It didn't... Listen. Honestly, I guess Arthur's death wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense either. It would have been a lot more Weasley angst, which wasn't really necessary either. It just... Like, it's kind of early. No one needed to die. If anything, one of the other people in the order, but it just yeah. didn't make any sense. There are a lot of, like, for an author, there doesn't have to be a reason that you kill somebody. But also there has to be kind of a reason as to why you kill somebody. Yeah, like, at least it has to make a little bit of sense. A while ago, um, J.K. Rowling would, like, tweet, like, reasons why she killed people. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I wonder if there's a reason for this. This Quora, Quora article says that Sirius died so that Harry could lose all of his mentors in order to be empowered instead of patronized by the Order. That's stupid. And That's then, a dumb reason. This says that they had to come up with a reason for Harry to have so much pain and grief that Voldemort wouldn't want to possess him. That's stupid. Yeah, that's also dumb. Somebody, if anybody, if any one of our listeners could come up with an actual good reason, then I'll listen. Then I'll be like, okay, sure. But if you're all as angry as us, also let us know. Because I'm upset. This one says that Harry's actions have to have consequences. I guess. And like but he that... already thought Sirius was gonna die, so that in and of itself was already a mental and emotional consequence because he thought Sirius was gonna die anyways. Yeah, but like imagine if he had like everybody had come out of that fine, like nothing happened. Like there's nothing to say that Harry wouldn't do it again. I think this is a big... But anyone else could have died, too. And that would have been the same case. So you're saying that somebody else should have died for Harry to learn his consequences. Yeah. It very well could have been someone else. You're right. They should have killed Tonks. That's exactly what I was thinking, but, like, I didn't want to say it. (laughs) No, like... Okay, it sounds morbid, but maybe one of the kids, not gonna lie, but, like... Absolutely not. You know what I mean, though? Like, it could have been anyone else, and it would have been like, OMG, this war has consequences. Killing one of the kids would have made it so much sadder. I know. I don't know if Harry could have recovered from that. Okay, that was a bad example. Right. Tonks is the only reasonable explanation. (laughs) Bro, listen, no. What if, like, it was bring your kid to work day, and so it was Draco that died? (laughs) Think about it. That one would be okay. (laughs) Death Eater, bring your child to work day. Just, he's got a little cloak. <laughs> oh my god. I can't. I think this, is, this book is a big turning point. I mean, the last book four was like the biggest turning point. Right, but like, this yeah. is a big turning point characterization wise. The last <laughs> one was like, look, now the plot's going this way. This one's like, now Harry is getting to a point where he's like, the with like everybody knows that the war's back now and Harry's like experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Not just like I watched him come back to life and he killed Cedric, but like I was literally in a battle and I like came face to face with these people and I like learned firsthand how that I can't be reckless. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that way Sirius is a good foil to Harry because Sirius is all reckless. Mm-hmm. And Harry's recklessness is the reason that Sirius dies. And so then Harry from now on is like, I can't be reckless. I can't be like Sirius. Well, when you put it that way. That just occurred to me. 
You're a genius. I hate that. <laughs> I still don't care. Serious, Jenny to die. It's fine. I'm just. We just. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just. I like knew that was gonna happen. I like got like two or three chapters in, and I was like, I have to read that chapter. And so I flipped to the end of the book and read that chapter. And then was like, okay, this is not that bad. And then I flipped back. And then I read the rest of the book. And then when I read that chapter, I was, like, emotionally destroyed. I, like, got to the point and it was, like, chapter name is, like, Into the Veil veil or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, well, crap. And I, like, put the book down and, like, went and did something else. And then I sat back down and was like, I guess I have to do this now. Yeah. I knew something was going to happen. I was like, it's not... Because I kind of thought the veil would be, like, into another world, right? So I was like, well, this is so late into the book, they can't just introduce an entirely new world unless you want to leave it on a real big cliffhanger. Did you know that Sirius was going to die? Is this one of the ones that you had no. a suspicions about? So that you no. were completely blind on this one. Yeah, I had no idea. I was just like Harry, where I was like, no, maybe it's not real, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no I, like i didn't have much time to think about it honestly between finishing the book and now which was not that long ago and it's kind of a lot um listen it's fine it's totally fine yeah i was also like <laughs> my comfort fan fiction is called the dead of time and it's like a Hermione goes back in time and like grows up with the Marauders fan fiction. And <gasps> I want that. Give me you, that. You have to finish all the books first. No, that's okay. I it's just, like give me that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. I had not read read these books in a long time and the whole time I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, I remember this." Because basically it does from end of book 6 to end of book seven is like the first book in the and then it goes then it's like Hermione goes back in time mm-hmm. and so then it's like 1971 to 1979 is like the second book and then the third book is like Sirius and Remus from 1979 until like uh 1991 or 1993 and then like then it like switches to like Hermione comes back from the past. So I was, like, reading this, and I was like, oh, I remember this scene from The Dead of Time. Like, that's weird. And so that was a weird experience. The, like, Snape's worst memory scene, like, is in there because Hermione was there. And then the stuff at the end where the they, like, go up to the Dursleys, and they're like, we just want to talk. I was like, oh, I read that, like, not that long ago. Oh, my gosh. I love fan fiction so much. <laughs> yeah. I read a pretty good... I read a couple of really good Percy Jackson ones where I was like, gosh dang, these are really good. One of them was called Crash. Other one... uh, Oh, what was it called? Something about, like, Annabeth was mute. Is that the Half-Blood Care Home one? Yes! Literally, that one destroyed me. That That's fine. 
I knew how many syllables that title was. Is that <laughs> weird? I was like, I know the rhythm of the title, but I couldn't figure out the words. It's a little weird, but it's all right. It's fine. That's what we like about you. Oh. <laughs> okay. My hatred for Dumbledore has reached its peak. I still don't understand. It really bothered me. His whole speech at the end, I just rolled my eyes the entire time. Yeah, it was kind of a lot. He was being kind of dramatic. Let's he was like, real. this is my fault. And like, I just care too much about you. And I was like, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry, what? Yeah. Like, and he just kept going on about how he should have told Harry this earlier and like all this stuff. And he's like, I realized my mistake. And then the whole time I was just like this. And even as he was explaining that like, you have to go back to the Dursley's house so the blood magic works stuff. I was like, it doesn't excuse going back to an abusive household. Yeah. And I still don't know if he has to be there the whole summer. Like, I guess he doesn't because he's been leaving before the summer's over. Yeah. So really, he just has to go there for like a day, be like, hi, magic stuff, and then leave. Yeah. I'm just going to be... Yelling about Dumbledore and Snape for the next two books. That's fine. And I just want you to be okay with that. <laughs> I For chapter 11, it says, Get you a man who looks at you the way Neville looks at his cactus. No. That's not even... I can't. That's the last note that I have before I gave up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, I'm trying to make a decision right now because I have so many quotes and so many other things I could talk about and we're almost at minute 40 and I'm like. Just talk about the topics and we can get to the quotes later. Um, the one thing I did, so I told you I wrote down page 89 so, whenever they were like, he's not James, that just, that line hit me really hard. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> You're right, okay. he's not James, but. So, it is the same page in my book, because it is yours. Yeah. Which is also yours, which is hilarious. <laughs> you got a good I, system. <laughs> I don't own any of these books. Just to yeah. let everyone know. <laughs> I have, like, I own all of them, and I have them on audiobook, but, like, earlier when we were doing this, I just started giving Jade my books, because she was taking a long time to read them, and so she was, like, using up her library, like, time, and we were just like, it's easier if you just use mine, but then I started just getting them from the library so that I could read them for this, because I don't listen to audiobooks that much. Yeah. And so it's just not like, it's funny that I have a library book and she has my book. <laughs> it makes sense. It's fine. It works for us and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, the um. whole like James compares, like the whole James stuff that was happening in this book is just really heartbreaking. The yeah. serious 
like expecting Siri, uh, expecting Harry to be James to some extent, because yeah. like Sirius never got to properly mourn the loss of his best friend because he was in prison. Yeah, and then the like Harry like realizing that his dad is not this like hero to be put on a pedestal. That hurt the most. I was like, no thanks. I don't like that. That was just one of those... He's already devastated enough. Like, that just... mm. That's just one of those things where I was like, it's okay, I reject this. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I don't... The fandom is always better. (laughs) Yeah. And in this case, always just perfect. It's fine. Like, I've read some really sad Marauders fan fictions, but I still feel okay about them because I can stop reading before 1981. Yeah, I don't know. What else you got? I had something to say, but I forgot what it was because I didn't write it down. (laughs) I just need you to know that. The new Sorting Hat song was three pages long. (laughs) I need you to be aware of that. It hurts my soul. Her songwriting in this book (laughs) is unmatched. It is unparalleled. We stand Weasley's our king. (laughs) Oh my gosh. As soon I, as I read the new version, like, the good one, I was like, wait, no, hang on. I had to read it a couple times to understand, like, no, this is good. And then they all figured it out after I did. And I was like, ha, gotcha. How? What are your thoughts on Luna Love Good? Okay, so everyone's been hyping it up, right? Like, not just you. I've heard a lot about this chick. And at first, I was like, oh, yeah, she's kind of funny. She's kind of weird. But then it got kind of old. It was pretty predictable. I was like, yeah, she's just weird and doesn't understand what's happening. Okay. Yeah. I It's like, kind of frustrating. It's just another situation where the fandom has taken over my life. Yeah. We're like... There's certain things that J.K. Rowling does not write well. Plus-size characters, people of color. Oh, don't even get me started. In any kind of diversity. And Luna was another one of those things where she's right there on the edge of being a diverse character, like a complex character. And mm-hmm. it was like she just gave up and was like, her only personality trait is that she's weird. Yes. And like, that's this, exactly it. The scene at the end where Harry's like avoiding the feast because he's traumatized and Luna's like looking for her stuff is like one of those scenes. Like, throughout the whole book, there's all these little threads of like, Harry thinks he's going insane. And Luna's really weird, but Luna's, like, the only one who understands Harry. Mm-hmm. And so they have that weird connection. And then at the end, where Harry's just genuinely like, oh, it was easy to talk to her about Sirius. 
And, like, yeah. he's, like, offering to help her find her shoes and, like, all stuff. And it's, like, there's this weird friendship here that I wish I got to see more of. Yeah. And I wish, like, I think Ivana Lynch does a really good job of playing Luna in the movies. And, like, she just doesn't sing song voice very well. And, like, there's it's not a seven-hour movie. Yeah. So, like, we don't get to see as much of that. But it's just this, like, sweet little relationship that, like, Harry and Luna have where, like, Nobody really takes Luna seriously, but Harry's like, you're weird, and I'm not going to question it, but, like, you understand what I'm going through. Yeah. And the stuff about the Thestrals, where Harry's like, oh, she can see them too. Like, we have this, like, death thing that we have in common. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I like her, but you're right. She didn't get what she deserved you know like she didn't get the metaphorical screen time the page time she deserved yeah and she's in the other books so she comes back but good i was gonna ask yeah i'm like trying to remember but she's definitely in six and seven i don't know how much she's in six and seven but she's in there this is also, the whole time I was reading Goblet of Fire, I was like, I want to know how Luna Lovegood is reacting that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And now that you've met her, you can see where I'm coming from. Oh, my gosh. She's probably going like, what the heck? <laughs> also, Neville's amazing in this book. Bro, he really steps up to the plate. I love that guy. I say that every book, but I really mean it this one. Yeah, I'm like, no, you have no backing for the other four. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) This one, he really does, like, an incredible job. He's just... Like, he got just as much trauma as Harry. Maybe not just as much trauma as Harry, but a lot of trauma. And, like, his life is so sad because his parents aren't dead. They just, like, will never know him. That's the thing. I'm like, I mean, isn't it just as tragic, though? Yeah. And just the scene in St. Mungo's where Alice, like, brings him a, like, wrapper and he, like, puts it in his pocket. And I'm like, (laughs) Neville. And then when Bellatrix... Like, breaks out of prison, and then Neville's like, well, the only thing I can do is learn defense really well to be the best. Yeah. And how, just how loyal he is. Yeah, he was literally, like, boxing people. And I was like, sir, what are you doing? But also, nice. And he just gets better from here. Oh, good. Because, uh... I couldn't handle any more of the other Neville. Let's be honest. That's a lot. Book seven Neville is so good. Nice. Uh, Also, Fred, George, and Jenny's relationship, I think, is just really underrated. It's so weird. They're like, oh, yeah, she had no time to practice Quidditch. Like, we wouldn't let her and Hermione, without skipping a beat, is like... She would just do it when you weren't looking. What are you talking about? I need to send you this TikTok that I sent to Becca the other day. Because it's just... I think I sent it to Becca. Maybe I sent it to Claire. 
I'm sorry. I'll make sure that I send it to both of you guys after we're done. <laughs> but it's just that, like, Fred, George, and Jenny are, like, far enough apart age-wise where they can just be friends. They yeah. don't, like, necessarily have to have the, like, protectiveness of it. Where, like, Fred and George, like, pull pranks and Jenny's just like, yeah, I can help. Yeah. And, like, so she's the ultimate wing woman to them. Yeah. And I really love that relationship. She kind of is to everyone, this book. And that's great. She's like, no, you're not doing anything else without me. I'm in this story right now. I was like, nice. Yeah. And just as she would, like, someone would casually mention that she's dating someone and Ron would, like, lose his mind. That's such a brother thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. What? I always hated that guy. Exactly. Right. All right. And just at the end, she's like, well, I picked Dean Thomas. Is that okay? (laughs) That killed me. It's so good. And this book is so long. We're almost at 50 minutes. (laughs) I know. Dude, and I just, there's so much. We haven't even talked about Umbridge yet. I know, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, this is... <sighs> and we didn't even talk about my hero, Minerva McGonagall. Mickey G! Yeah! Mickey G! Okay, so we're gonna have to do a second part of this. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first edition of our... Um, there's one note that I'll, I'll put in here. Maybe I'll say it again. Who knows? Um, I even put little stars by it because I thought it was really important for me to say it. Okay. (laughs) I just, (laughs) she was just being particularly annoying. And I wrote, and you can quote me on this, tweet it, retweet it. I hope she gets eaten by her cardigan. I love that so much. I just needed you to know that. She's so annoying. In every possible way. Like, I thought Snape was bad. You thought Draco was bad. No, like, literally they look like child's play. I can't every possible thing and all those stupid decrees i was just like i can't i'm done like the thing about it is that jk rowling gave like snape and draco like little slivers of a redemption arc so that i'm mad that they're like written the way that they are umbridge gets no redemption arc so i'm perfectly okay with her being as evil as she is yeah i just like i'm genuinely okay with the fact that i hate her guts Yeah. No, she's just awful. And I'm glad she's written that way. We needed someone to genuinely hate. And I appreciate the fact that she got Mickey G to lose her flipping mind. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude, that was so funny. Like, every time she did it, it was so funny to me. And I feel like If I were in that situation, it would be one of those things where it's like, I'm supposed to be serious right now, but I'm laughing my head off because I can't 
handle it. <laughs> Just <sighs> one. McGonagall's my hero in this book for so many reasons. Oh, one, yeah. the like not giving the Gryffindor Quidditch team homework the week of the Slytherin Quidditch uh, Gryffindor match. Love that. Um, the way she acted when Umbridge was first inspecting her room. And it's just like, how do you expect me to teach if you keep interrupting me? Like, yes. The <laughs> Harry's career consultation where she was like trying to talk and then Umbridge kept interrupting her. And she's like, do you need a cough drop, Dolores? Yeah. And obviously so many more because she's perfect. The when um, Harry first gets detention way back at the beginning of the book. And Harry, like, walks up to McGonagall's office and is, like, expecting to be yelled at. And then McGonagall's like, have a biscuit, Harry. (laughs) That was so good. I was like, of course. I stand Professor McGonagall. Yeah, Mickey G really do be like that. And I just love the fact that Snape and McGonagall, like, have it out in the staff room about Quidditch. (laughs) It's so good. Is there anything else you want to say in the first part of this? No, I think I'll... I think the getting eaten by her cardigan is a really good place to leave off. Yeah, so we just have a lot to say about this book because it's... 12,000 pages long. So we're going to be doing a second part for everybody who just really loves this book or just really wants us to hear a rant about. Yeah, next time will be a bit more like chapter by chapter, um, more quoting things. I have a lot of page numbers and quotes written down, which I think are hilarious. So, if you want to hear all the funny parts. (laughs) I will guarantee that I will still be in my Remus Lupin depression next week. (laughs) So, at least you'll still have that. Consistency is key, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Do, oh, I just thought of something else to talk about. I guess we'll just save it. Yeah, just write it down, my guy. What's our social media, Jade? Bro, we got an email last week. I was yeah. so happy about that. Oh that, my like, gosh. Made my whole day. I like checked texted Jade in all caps and it was like, Jade, we got an email. Oh my so, gosh. It was the best thing in the whole world. Shout out to Becca, you're our hero. <laughs> yeah. Um we really just want all the memes and gifts you can provide. No spoilers, Honestly, though. That's rude. Don't do that. Give us all of your memes from books one to five. No spoilers for six and seven. To email us, tweet us, DM us on Instagram, become a patron and send it to us on Discord. Hey, look, that's all of our socials. At Curly Critics Pod. <laughs> thanks for doing my job buddy you're welcome uh what do i say next Uh, (laughs) the curly critics are a proud member of the wbne network which has other amazing podcasts to listen to they talk about movies there's a 
musical theater podcast. There's talking about women in history, Gen Z talking about life. And there's also a D&D podcast, which just started its second season a few weeks ago. I think they're on episode four or five, so you can still catch up. And late to the party, here's a promo. This is an urgent message. If you or a loved one have been suffering from mild hallucinations, encountering what looked like a a horde of zombies, lack of fine motor function, there was no parking, and I pulled up on the lawn and broke a sprinkler head. The inability to sit for long periods of time. Did you just break the chair? Jordan is holding a chair arm up. Roll to sit. Oh, did not do so good. Trouble using your tools. Are you going to take another smashy smash? I sure am. 13 probably doesn't hit. Does not hit. Sorry about the dice, Scott. (laughs) Or existential crises. And I'm playing Sunny Days, a high elf cleric, a half elf cleric, a quarter elf cleric, a mostly human cleric, a mostly human, but with a smidgen of elf cleric. You may be entitled to podcasts. Ask your doctor about Late to the Party, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast for the whole family. Available every other Monday on WBNE.org or wherever podcasts are sold character and i haven't don't at me i haven't listened to it i just like that name (laughs) it's also the name of a keyboard i know that i know that's what makes it great yeah (laughs) have a magical monday ride a train yeah catch us next week for an unconventional part two that happened on accident (laughs) make sure that your worst enemies get eaten by a cardigan this week. Yeah, preferably their own. Oh, yes. Not your own. Don't <laughs> use your cardigan to eat other people. <laughs> not Taylor Swift. No, she needs to be protected at all costs. But everyone else is fine. Taylor Swift has too much power and we need to stop her. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.